The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev is in Bunker Malmesbury again this week. It's not because I smell or I've got the lurgy. Yeah, no, it is. What is it? You said it's just. I just didn't tell you that. You said it's just because you're busy. There's stuff (laughs) on this week. We couldn't we couldn't find a day that suited us because I'm going out some days. You're going out other days. There's a horse to feed. How how by the way is the horse? Uh, It's lovely. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but so so here we have Bunker Malmesbury. But you were in Bunker Malmesbury with your with with your special microphone and your and the fuzzy felt behind you that <laughs> bounces all the echo back. So so you're okay. Mm-hmm. You almost like you sound like you're in a studio, Kev. Yeah, I yeah. also feel like I'm in a monsoon again. Are you? Is it raining where you are? Yeah, not again. It's always raining. Oh, you yeah. can keep that. It looks like Weird it's going to be sunny here today. Mm. in our valley right um i found this morning a little quiz and i just wondered uh, with your your show before we start the show with your country music show um i thought well this is a good one for kev it's a country music quiz mm-hmm. right i'm looking for at least five out of five nashville the u.s city known as the home of country music has what nickname uh, come on kev don't fall at the first starts with uh, the, starts with the starts with the letter m mu <laughs> uh, music City. Yes. Ah, oh, this is going to be hard going. What is the name of Dolly Parton's theme park? Oh, that's Dolly Word. Dolly Word, yes. You'll know this one. Johnny Cash. What's his nickname? Man in Black. Yes. Um, the CMAs are the longest running annual music awards on television. True or false? Country Music Awards. Well, I don't know. That's a tough one. I have no idea. I'm going to say yes. But... Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Name the two... Th- I'll make this the last one. I, I can't count. This could be the fourth. Name the 2005 Johnny Cash biopic starring uh, Joaquin Phoenix as Johnny and Reese Witherspoon as uh, June Walk Carter. The line. Walk the line. You must have seen that film at least a dozen times, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a good film, actually. There we go. You are a country music expert. The Fuji cast. Which is a good reason to suggest to you that you listen to Kev on Thursdays live at 3.30pm. This or a, you can go to Mixcloud. No, don't go to... Search my name. No, go live, because it's more fun. Well, yeah, live. Yeah. yeah. Oh, can you do Mixcloud live as well, then? No, no, no. So the, it goes up to Mixcloud afterwards. Right. It is as live. There's no editing afterwards, but yeah. How, so that's how, the play again, please. How's that feeling going with a, with a live show now? You, have you got over the initial fears and, and nerves that you had? Have you, have you now sort of settled into it? Yeah, kind of. It's all right. Yeah. The nervy bit is whether I press the right button and... You know, make the mic on at the right time and all that stuff. Is there the any stuff that you, you're usually in charge of on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, is there any way you can press the wrong button and it goes yeah, quite easily? Yeah, yeah. For example, yesterday yeah. Um, I was just happily sat in my office. There was a big bang of thunder, yeah. and my computer just went off. Did it? It just like it, it's almost like my computer got scared. It just went Whoa! and then just shut down. <laughs> If it could have moved under the desk a bit further, I think it would have done. Oh, Kev, you, you want to get a Mac. They're fearless. They just say, <laughs> go on, bring it on. More, bring me more. I shouldn't say that in case we get another storm and everything goes out. Well, welcome to the uh, the Fuji cast. It's um, your chance to write in and ask whatever you like about Fuji cameras and talk about your photography. Uh, you're very welcome, whatever brand you shoot. Um, send your questions to click at fujicast.co.uk. Uh, we've got a book of the week this week, Kev. What have you got? What have you got, Kev? What have you got? Uh, I've got one of the. Uh, we've talked about these series before. This is the photography workshop series. Yeah. Um, this one is Todd Hydo, yeah. uh, and it's titled "On Landscapes, Interiors, and the Nude." Blimey, that's every genre you can almost throw at it. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. 
And um, we hear from Steve Vaughan today, uh, one of our friends of the show. A couple of weeks' time, we got some more, um, I was going to call normal guests, but that sounds terrifically rude. Um, friends, We sort of separate them from friends of the show, which is great to hear from, from you, uh, and also some of the photographers that we'd like to introduce you to for inspiration. Uh, so today we have um, Steve Vaughan, who is definitely a friend of the show because he's one of the moderators in the uh, the, the Facebook group. Uh, and, of course, he comes out and helps at these... What's this thing called? An outside broadcast, Kev? <laughs> oh. um, I'm, I'm not... The bloody weather, I'm not going outside ever again. <laughs> you can't even blame I, COVID on that. You have to take all kinds of clothes with you. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean all sorts of clothes with you? Well, wet weather clothes, dry weather clothes, oh, okay. flip-flops, flip umbrellas. Flip-flops? Combs, you, comb your hair for when it rains. You don't, wind. Wear, you don't wear flip-flops, Kev. You're not, you're not that kind of guy. Tell me you're not a flip-flop wearer. Yeah, I am in the summer. No. Mm-hmm. Kev. All right. Right, questions. Who's going first, you or me? Uh, don't mind. You go first. Go, go on, on why not? I've got one from Bryce Leary. Love the show, yada, yada, yada. A question about filming. I'm thinking about switching into the X-H1 from my X-T2 for all kinds of reasons, including the grip. I have larger hands. We call them Elton John hands. Although he's got small hands, hasn't he? Don't how, know. How I've, never really, I've never really analysed Elton John's hands, I have to say. I've always thought it's amazing how he does what he does with small hands on the piano. <laughs> I have larger hands and the grip of the X-H1 just feels right in terms of the moulding shape. One of the other reasons is for Ibis, which I know I can get with the X-T4, but money-wise, and the X-H1 right now, is as cheap as the things you throw to seagulls on a beach. But then I notice that a lot of filming these days is uh, made like Ibis doesn't exist, or there's no such thing as a steady cam. Do you think those days are gone? We've all gone a bit raw. There's mm. kind of two questions there. I mean, you, you want to get an X-H1 anyway. You can always... Can you turn the, uh, the IBIS off? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think for, so. If you've got a lens attached that's got IBIS built in, then it automatically does it, I think. Yeah, because you get the little, I don't have an X-H1, but I think little, that's how um, it works. a wavy hand sign that comes up to say, IBIS is not on. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. shake around. But you're right there, Bryce. I think, you know, you look at a lot of telly now, and we do seem to have gone back to the um, sort of sh- shaky hand routine, don't we? And, I, you know... Maybe that's that. Maybe that's for authenticity, Kev. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's like a lot of the American shows have done that for a while, haven't they? Like yeah. um, Modern Family and stuff. It's all that kind of trying to make you feel like you're in the room with them. Yeah. Um, have you seen Motherland? No. That is the best show in the world. Is that shaky camera? No, actually, I don't think it is. Might be, but no. I, I wouldn't even notice. It's so good. Yeah watch it well i guess go and watch it now uh, we'll, we'll wait come back okay. tell me what you think i'll see you in about half an hour um <laughs> well bryce you look like you're going to get the xh1 anyway for the for the grip whether you employ ibis or not i don't think it really matters i do use it and it does make a difference it's very good in the xh1 as well whether they'll in, I, I, is there any need to improve it for the xh2 but uh yeah i think you've an- answered your own question there well, if the rumor mills are right, then the uh, the current trans the, uh, the current X Trans Four sensor is is at end of life. So that presumably means the first camera we'll see with the new sensor will be XH two, as and when. Yeah. So yeah, I would imagine there'll be some pretty spectacular stuff in well, that. You've never used. Don't expect used, it soon. You've never used the XH one, no. Oh, I, I had it for um, a week. Yeah kind of testing it and stuff yeah i was I, you know i just didn't like it I, did, I didn't like the ergonomics of it that's all the grip you mean or yeah the grip the that that button um the shooter button oh. I, I i just didn't it wasn't it was a big camera you know and i 
you know, I purposely moved from big cameras to small cameras, yeah. um, you know, for, for my kind of everyday work. So, yeah, that, that was really the only reason I didn't particularly... Have you thought the X-H1 is big? We've always disagreed on this, I know. It just seems to have... It, the grip makes it... protrudes it a bit, but otherwise it seems to be the same sort of... Isn't it the same size as a an X8, uh, X-T3? Or, I don't know. It feels like it. I'm looking at mine now thinking, you don't look big. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, thank you, yeah, Bryce. It was a good seller, so yeah, it's well, obviously yeah. liked by many people. Go on then, you, yours, from from the Facebook group. If you're sending questions... Oh, did you do the new Facebook group? Yes, you so this is from yes, uh, yeah. questions for the show Mark 2. Ah, yes, of course it is. Yeah. There's a second thread now, so I'm going to start with the first question that came on board. The return. Which is Chris Bird. Right. Uh, he says, do you have a part-time job to supplement your own wedding business to keep the money coming in? Mm. Question mark. Has it been the case due to the pandemic or before? Question mark. Are you able to manage the other job around your wedding business? And is your employer understanding? Question mark. That seems like a few questions. Well, can you just go one at a time, Kev? Um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, right. First of all, do you have a part-time job to supplement your own wedding business to keep the money coming in? No, but only this morning we talked about, we've decided try, to try not to panic about this variant. And by the time this show goes out, who knows, the news will change again. Ooh, good grief. Um, so, but we've decided not to, not to panic about it, but we have made it. We, did we make this decision or did Sam make this decision? I'm going to go and get a part-time job. I can. I mean, I have the Photography Daily podcast, which brings in some money, and it has sponsorship. But if... And I can get some commercial work, but just not on the turn of a dime. Um, I will go out and get myself a part-time job, Kev. And whatever that ends up being, I'll just have to be the best I can at that. If it's delivery driving, I bet I wouldn't get a job in that because everybody wants to do it. Seriously, um, I'm that. That is what I will do. Yeah, well, that's wise, you know. If you if you need to do it, but I, I was going to say that really, you know, we both do have other income streams, but they're they're based around photography, aren't they? So yeah, I, I've yeah. got like the training presets and stuff. You've got the podcast mentoring bits yeah. and pieces. So yeah, I mean, ultimately, uh, right now, neither of us have a, a part time job. Um, I don't think I could do a part time job and then shoot a wedding on a Saturday. I have to say. Well, no, I'm I'm talking about if the weddings don't happen. If the weddings happen, Kev, I've, they'll I've, happen. I've, this I've, variant I've, is well, nothing. Uh, oh, blimey, Kev. Yeah, it's nothing. Is yeah, it, it is it, nothing. It's, you think it's a it's blip. Not. It's going to go away. It's the BBC winding us up again. Just ignore it. Sam's right. Ignore it. Um, okay. So the second part. <laughs> okay. do you th- let's assume you are currently, you know, stacking shelves at the co-op. Yeah. Um, are you able to manage the other job around your wedding business? And is your employer understanding? Now, I know the manager at the co-op in Malmesbury, which is obviously where you'll need to work. I'm not doing the um, co-op, Kev. I'm going Waitrose. Ah, uh, well. <laughs> I like waitrose. the uniform more. <laughs> yeah. You know the best way to get um, to, to get social distancing done in Waitrose? What's that? Take a co-op, carry a bag with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kev. Yeah. We have a guy that walks past every day who we call co-op man. Um, I think we talked about him before. Is this this, this uh, bloke that trudges up and we? Yes, we definitely talked about him. We have talked about he him. Trud- yeah. He trudges yeah. up and down. He cleans the loose and he he and then he goes back home again. Then later on, he comes back for anybody that missed us chatting about it. But the um, the defining uh, character uh, or the thing that he always has with him is that large blue co-op bag, and we call yep. him co-op co-op man. It's co-op man. It's Terry. His name's Terry. Well, they're getting rid of those co-op. Are they? Yeah, getting rid of those bags for life. Terry's had that bag for years. He'll just hold on to his co-op bag. He'll not let that go, Kev. Good. Um, what was the question? <laughs> well, that was it. Do you, do you think you're able to do both jobs, basically? No, I wouldn't. Uh, no, I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't need to. Um, if, if 
if it comes back and the work comes back, fine. If it does, plenty of people do. Plenty of people do have a, a yeah. I mean, not even a part-time job, but a full-time job, and then shoot weddings specifically. Not so much commercial guys and and stuff, but shoot weddings on the weekend. I could never do that. Why not? I just wouldn't have the the capacity in me to work a, a nine till five Monday to Friday, and then on a Friday night get in the car, travel to some travel lodge up the M6 or something. Nothing wrong with travel lodge. Kev. Spend. Um, <laughs> Oh, mate, there's a lot wrong with travel lodges. <laughs> In Kev's opinion, I might just apart add. from they're cheap, um, <laughs> and then uh, and then you know spend a day shooting a wedding, yeah. and then you know seeing your family on a Sunday afternoon for like an hour, basically, and then editing, and then going back to work on a Monday. I, I yeah. people do it, and I, I I'm not judging in any way, shape, or form. No. But, and they they probably drive a much nicer car than me, but I, I, I could not do that. I'm too old. I suppose it depends if they see the weekend thing as, you know, their hobby. They love going out there and photographing a wedding, but no. True, true, true. It would yeah, be, and, and if you're yeah. young and yeah. you don't have family and stuff, then it's, yeah, considerations yeah. are different for sure. Oh, pin, mo- yeah. pin, pin money's good if you're young and you're doing it that way, that's for sure. But uh, no, third, he had a third on there, didn't he, third question? Yeah, the, well, the third one was, the second one was, is the part-time job due to the pandemic? And, you know, let's, right, you know okay. we're working on the assumption that you are, cleaning toilets at Waitrose, and it would have been because of the pandemic. <laughs> so, yes. Ke- when the pandemic's of- over, it's done. You've taken me down. Well, actually, no, there's nothing wrong with uh, cleaning the loos at all. Some people do that very well. If I'm going to be a loo cleaner, I'm going to yep. be the best loo cleaner I can be. Absolutely. Uh, and and the, loos in, the loos in Waitrose will already be clean. <laughs> what these Waitrose people are like. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't shop there, Kev, to be honest. We go yeah. to Lidl. <laughs> Waitrose. Waitrose. That's, yeah, okay. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> no, don't. don't I get in trouble. <laughs> don't say it. It's a nice shop and they it do is. they do good birthday cards. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The Waitrose in Malmesbury, actually, they, they kicked up a massive fuss when they built it and actually it is, it's very nice. Well, the Malmesbury people, the posh Malmesbury people, kicked up a fuss when Waitrose was being built. Yeah, well, because it, it pretty much has killed the high street. Oh, so is it? That's you know. not good. Right. Anyway, let's go. not talk about that. Um, no. Are you ready for? Oh, look, Kev, we've got a question from. Hold on, I've even I've even got a little jingle for it. Stand by. We've got a question from Howling Bassett. Oh, oh it took me all last night to find that. Um, yada yada question yada. The morning of a wedding, they're always a bit left field, these, by the way. Last week's with a naturist wedding. Loved it, but it was left field. Uh, the morning of a wedding, there's non-war related e- There's a non-war related EMP event. What's an EMP, Kev? Oh, electric magnetic... Electrical magnetic... Pulse. <sighs> that has rendered all electronic equipment useless. Oh. The wedding is within walking distance. Most modern cars won't be working. Of course they wouldn't, because if you've got an EMP, that's it. Our Kias won't work, will they? No. Can you, equipment-wise, and would you shoot the wedding completely on film? Oh, there's a challenge for you, Kev, from Howling Bassett. Well, have you got a film uh, camera? I've to been start more with? concerned with all the people that have just dropped dead because their pacemakers have stopped working. Oh no, Kev, that doesn't happen, does it? Well, I would imagine so. It's electric, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. I don't have one, thankfully. Mm. Um, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. A, I wouldn't have any film cameras with me mm. at, the, at the time it happened. And B, I wouldn't be able to, no. I'm not sure the people at the wedding would. I mean, what's going to happen? They can't have a wedding DJ. No. I'm not um, singing. Yeah, um, no, I couldn't I couldn't shoot a wedding. Uh, basic, the, the substance of that question is, can you shoot a wedding on film? Yeah. Uh, and I, no, I, I couldn't. 
I recommend. I, I just wouldn't not not in my style. I think I'd be able to deal with the exposures and stuff, but I wouldn't be able to to do what I needed to do because you'd be it would a, all be grip a, and grin. You'd be overshooting. Do you think, or would that well, be you wouldn't the, be able to? Would you? Well, no. But that's what I'm saying. Is that the reason why you don't feel comfortable doing it? Yeah, I just wouldn't. You know, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't do. It. I, I kudos to the people who do candid reportage photography yeah. on film. You know, but I couldn't wait. That, that original film that I saw of Askoff featured him with, mm-hmm. I think he had uh, two Likers, didn't he? M- mm-hmm. M6s, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, one round his neck, one on his shoulder, perhaps a third one, I can't remember. But um, he that, that, that was his setup, wasn't it? And when he was really becoming, you know, the darling of the wedding planners and, and the wedding industry and the couples loving him and, and his work was taking off, um, that was what he shot on. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, it was, what, 20 years ago, 25 yeah. years ago, maybe. Yeah. He, he, he had to, yeah. and he was bloody good at it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. There's a there's a documentary called, Mas- I think it's called Masters of Photography. He used to used to have to buy it, but I'm fairly sure it's on YouTube and stuff like that now. And there's it's like a little documentary of him. Uh, Jerry Gohanis is on there, Yervant, the Australian guy. Um, Robin Bell. And a couple of others. Robin, or wedding uh, Robin, photographers, obviously, Robin Masters Bell. of Wedding. What are we talking about? Right, okay. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And and they're all shooting film, are they? Yeah, yeah, cuz it was filmed 20 something years oh, right, ago, they, you know, it was be, Yeah, yeah. You know, it came out on like VHS. <laughs> VHS? What's VHS? Do you remember recording over stuff on VHS and the argument in the house would be if you recorded over the test match? Yeah, we would never have had that question about a test match in our house, but it would have been about EastEnders or Neighbours or uh, you know, Emmerdale Farm as they used to call it. Or in my dad's case, football or rugby. <laughs> yeah, well, well, well yeah, but, but yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was funny enough. I was, I was listening to some music the other day, and I picked up the original. You know, remember the theme tune for the Scotch? What was it? Wind it up, don't fade away. Something. Mm. Don't fade away. Wind it up, don't fade away. Um, advert. And I found the original song of that, and I was listening to it. And I was thinking that's that was from an advert. What advert was it? And then I remembered it was the Scotch VHS tape advert. Oh yeah, that's it. Don't fade away. Uh, that's right. Up, don't fade away. I can't remember. Oh, I remember it. Yeah. 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 Uh, was it? There was a dog in it or something? No. No, it was a skeleton, wasn't it? Skeleton. Didn't it was skeleton? Yeah, maybe it was. I think so. Well, anyway, right. I next mean, question. In terms of film, by the way, I've, I've, oh. um, there's an F5 behind me, Nikon F5. I reckon because that, I reckon I could shoot it. I, the difficult thing would be not thinking, right? I need to get. Or maybe I'll get three or four of, of, of this particular shot because um, mm. just just to be safe, you're gonna have to nail every single one, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I reckon yeah. with uh, with a couple of F5s, I reckon I could. Although, are they electronic? Well, they work by batteries. Oh no, I'm stuffed, Kev. <laughs> well, yeah, anything with a battery in, yeah, you're done for. Well, yeah, I'll be hiding the batteries away during the EMP. I'll put it in a lead box. That'd be fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, okay, out. question from Facebook. I think this will be the last one before uh, our guest this week, our friend of the show, Steve Vaughan. Okay, Paul Gallagher mm. says, um, what will you do when they ban street photography? <laughs> <laughs> he says, we, we were chatting in a street photography clubhouse club last yeah. week. Oh, oh, this clubhouse thing. Oh, have you My joined God. it, by the way? Sorry? Have you had an invite to join? I have had. Uh, my phone gets text messages about seven a day Does it? from people inviting me to clubhouse. Let me just, let me just invite you. Hold on. No, don't do it again. <laughs> I'm going to block it. I, I have no, I, I have no interest in it. I have to say. Um, anyway, why? Paul, why not? I mean, it's a. Oh my God! My world is full of of enough noise as it is on social media and stuff. So I, I, I'm in a happy place with social media. I, mm. I've got a good relationship with Instagram. I've got a reasonably good relationship with Facebook. I don't need to hear 
things I, I i i have to say i've read i've read quite a lot about clubhouse and um there's been some good case studies you know and i've, I've been thinking actually that makes sense um but by and large what i've heard from people is that it's you know there's a lot of people who are basically you know pushing their their opinions their ego and you know just kind of you know this is how you should do things you must do it this way yeah. and uh, i don't know it's not i just don't think I, I yeah it's not for me anyway it is for other people not even however t- not even tiktok kev tiktok tiktok i could see i could see you doing lip sync tiktok go on go on no. question sorry uh anyway so paul says they were they were discussing in um a clubhouse photography club last week about this uh there's quite a few who thought eventually street photography will be banned gary whoever gary is runs the club put together a short video and so there is a video link in the facebook group if you want to follow it um and it basically essentially i'm paraphrasing a bit here because i haven't watched the video that uh taking candid photographs of strangers will be outlawed, um, will be banned. What will we do? What will I do? What will you do? So he thinks that's a definite, that, that one day it will I, be I think that's the, the gist of the of the message, but yeah. I don't obviously see it's I not right I, yet. I don't share that. I just don't, I don't see it. No, me and I, I also think that uh, citizen journalism, if you want to call it that, uh, or citizen street journalism, will be the thing that carries us through. If so, uh, people will... There's never been more... And we've we've got so many pictures when when there weren't many cameras flying around. Imagine now we've got so many cameras flying around. The, the world won't suddenly go black in terms of having a document of history as we as we grow up because people are making pictures all the time on there. You, you know, you go to different continents and say, "Oh, sorry, chap, you can't." Be, we've decided now the big world order is. No more pictures, and it'll be. Well, it is like that in some places. That's the thing. So, in for example, in in the EU, mm. right? In the EU, mm. citizen journalism is okay, right? So mm. you can take a picture on your phone if it's for you know if it ends up being used for news or something like that. But you cannot take pictures of strangers for your own pleasure or for your own publication on a website or something mm. like that. That's the, the truth of it, and but you it- know I think that's b- ridiculous and sad. And possibly the only good thing about us leaving the EU is I don't think we will ever go down that route. And, you know, I mean, look, they've done this digital bill today, right, yeah. in, in, the, in the BBC. Uh, the BBC are reporting on the digital bill. And they haven't even outlawed uploading, you know, naughty videos of your girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, non-gender friend. Um, you know, they're not going to do it in the UK. They're just not. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. And if they did, if they did, I would stand as an MP and go on there and tell them all to f*** off. I'm not sure that's the that's the way it works in Parliament, by the way. That's um, well, we need a few more of them. I'd just Parliament. like to say to my right honourable friend, <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I tell you what, that's the way to get votes. Um, but no, I, I generally, in, in all seriousness, I, I I cannot see it happening. I would be very very sad if it did. Um, but there's still street work coming out from France, and and I'm using France commissioned as- work. You will you you will find very hard to find general you know kind of street photos. This is why people like Alex and stuff like that, Alex um, Fredrickson, um, you know, does that does the beautiful kind of feet under the bench or the 
what do they call it? Um, intentionally moved cameras shake or something. Yeah. So everything's a bit blurry. It looks great. I mean, it's, it's you know, looks really nice. But, we can't but grow it's for up that reason, because they grow, can't publish it. You can't grow up in a world where everything's, oh, look, that must be that period, uh, that 10-year period where they crazily said, don't take pictures. Everything's out of focus and blurred. Yeah, but, you know, the world's history is littered with, with decisions like that, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, and, and in fairness, we've, we've talked about this so many times before. The, you know, the social media and the ease and mobile phones and the e you can press a button on a mobile phone and it can be on Instagram instantly. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was never a thing before. You know, that was never a thing. So there is there is valid concerns, I think. However... I don't think the answer is to unilaterally just ban it. I think the answer is to, uh, you know, to have some kind of body in place that, that checks for abusive use of it. Um, and, you know, uh, and that's that's ultimately where, where I think it should be. So when, when I go on holiday, oh, those are the days. Uh, to I hang on, you go in in a couple of weeks. Well, yeah, but that, Devon. I'm talking about when you go on one of those. <laughs> Devon's holiday. Yeah, I know, but I'm talking about a thin pressurized tube that flies thirty five thousand feet in the air. Um, when I go to those those sorts of holidays, like Croatia, and you go to Spain and and places like that, are you saying that that we're going to have to be very careful now, taking our X one hundreds out and making a few pictures of? Um, of the local market or or any like a i've got a picture um i'm gonna randomly my mind is is thinking of a picture i made in croatia a couple of years back which is a really nice sort of looking at as a vista kind of photograph but there's there's some silhouettes in the in the in the background then as you get closer you can sort of make people out until those in the foreground are, are at a market and are you saying that sort of picture i couldn't raise that camera to my eye no so uh, as it stands, you can take those pictures, but you can't publish them in Europe. So you could come back here and publish them, right? But not over there. And it is that's I believe that's the case in Canada also, although not in uh, not in the United States. So yeah, there's 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 lots of kind of stuff going on with that. But I, I you know I don't think it will happen here. No. Well, we're going to become the street photography capital of the world, Kev. Well, interestingly, London is the is I think next to New York is the most photographed city in the planet is on the planet. Right? Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, back to your questions in a moment, and we've also got book of the week. Let's meet one of our uh, one of our friends of the show. This is Steve Vaughan. Um, of course, we we've known Steve now for a, a good few years, Kev, haven't we? Really? Um, yeah, about 150. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's aging better than us. Let's <laughs> yeah, talk to is. let's talk to one of our friends of the show. It'd be fair to say, Steve, that there are a few people who've been with us um, from well, either right at the start or or that close that it makes no difference. So, firstly, thank you for the support you give us on the Facebook group and uh, sort of facing up to the arguments that that we're too scared to face up to sometimes. Uh, and also for the help you provided the, the handful of live events that we've had, which we sincerely hope is coming back soon. Oh, please. Oh, let's hope so. Let's oh. hope so. Mm -hmm. so. So let's start by saying you, you should or rather could feel um, far more at home deving film um, and being at the alchemic dark knowledge <laughs> end than being behind a lens because you know the, I know this now personally, you know the periodic table 
to mastermind level. So you should tell it, you should tell us why. Yeah, it's one of my one of my things. The periodic table. Very sad, I know. Um, so a long time ago, back in the dark ages, I did uh, chemistry at university, and I for about two years was a research chemist until I got bored of being effectively a cook because that's what you do. You do the same thing over and over again with different stuff, really. But you did, um, you did that for quite a while, though, didn't you? Uh, for, well, I did this, the degree was three years, and then the research chemistry bit was another three years. So mm. my first my first job really out of uni all those years ago was to um, discover new pesticides for what was ICI in those days. Right. And do, um, do ICI exist anymore? No, they got... Um, they were split in half. Um, half their sort of traditional bulk chemicals got sold mm. off to... Norsk Hydro, I think, and their pharmaceutical business actually is what is now AstraZeneca, funnily enough. Oh, is it? Oh. Yeah. So, um, but no, ICI, the good old English company's long since gone, sadly. And so then what did you do? Well, as I was young and impetuous and probably stupid as well in those days, um, I kept seeing these people coming into the lab with nice suits and mm. nice company cars and showing this, showing this bit of kit to us in the lab. And I kept thinking, well, I can do that, you know. So eventually, after about... 500 applications of trying to get a job in sales. I eventually moved into sales, and that was where I spent probably the next 25 years. Did they give you a nice company car straight out, out the bat? Oh, the uh, the essential Vauxhall Cavalier in those days. Oh, yeah, was that it? was the standard issue. Yeah. Vauxhall Cavalier, they gave me a Nova. <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference between newspaper sales and, and work, <laughs> working with the farmer business. Is, is, is it going to be one of those familiar stories of, of picked up a camera age 12, always had a fascination for it? Or, or does it start later, or maybe even earlier, actually, Steve? I don't know. It really started. This is going to sound a funny thing to say, but my father died um, as a young man, and I was a, a very much younger man, of course. Uh, he died mm. at 66. I was only 21. Right. And uh, I'd been to stay with my mother where I was working away at the time as a scientist. Mm. I'd been to stay with my mother to visit and uh, he'd been taken ill and two weeks later, sadly, he died. And uh, mm-hmm. and I, I had an interest in photography and I remember just walking in kind of kind of a daze at Birmingham New Street Station, walking into a camera shop and buying a camera. Um, literally almost in a sort of, well, sorry, I'm going to cheer myself up really. So I bought a Nikon FG but my real sort of interest in photography really took off when my daughter was born. Um, I got completely obsessed with photography. Right. And poor old Natalie had a camera pointed at her every moment in time, I think, really. We lived about five miles from my mother at the time in Staffordshire. And my mum had this great set of um, basement in a semi-detached house. Right. And I converted that into a dark room. So oh. I'd go and see my mother and say, hi, mom, and then disappear for five hours down the cellar, which so, didn't make me very popular. So hang time, on a moment. You, you, were, you weren't visiting mum at all. You were just going to no. use the dark room. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But that, the, as you know, that sort of when you first see that print coming yeah. up in the tray, there's nothing like it. It's an amazing experience, really. I ask, yeah, all, I ask all guests this, and, and only some remember, but do you – do you remember the first print? Do you? Because some people say, "Oh, yeah, it was a print of her ex," and they know what it was, and they can remember almost what they felt like as well. It was definitely a print of my daughter yeah. um, oh. when she was uh, still a baby. Well, so th- there's this sort of interesting time uh, spent um, in a kind of crossover, I suppose, of having that as a hobby and, and being mm. a, a salesperson. Where, and that mm. that all came to an end, didn't it? And and you go into a you go into it was the first job out of that a pub for for a number of years. Really, I worked in sales. And, and I was very ambitious, very driven, and, and you know my business was selling scientific equipment. So yeah. I sold to scientists basically. Yeah. And then, because I was very ambitious and very driven, I, I moved on and moved on into sales management and eventually general management roles. And at the time, went through a divorce, and Sam and I got together, as you know. Um, 
And sort of 2014, I think it was, I was working for a very large American corporation and um, I was running two businesses for them because that's kind of what you're expected to do when you get to a certain level in these companies. But in my spare time, I was also running a European role for them as well. And uh, it was just getting a bit too much. I think I gave the same presentation in 10 European cities in 14 days. Mm. And I knew I was losing it, Neil, because I was starting to forget things. Uh, I left a laptop on, a, on an EasyJet plane, which I needed for a presentation next morning. Thankfully, I managed to get it back before they uh, uh, they took off and flew off somewhere else. Uh, Hang on a minute. Big- you, you were doing all these speeches and they were flying you EasyJet. This doesn't sound right. Oh, no, yeah, this well, doesn't sound some- right to me. That's American corporations. Um, but then the real sort of killer for me when I knew I was losing it really was mm-hmm. I, I gave a, I ran a presentation, I ran a, a session in the UK, I ran a meeting in the UK for 150 people and I opened it all up. And um, you know that scene in the film, The Naked Gun, when he walks off to the bathroom and he's still got his, his wireless mic on? Yeah, I actually did that. Oh my word. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I've opened up the meeting and the next thing uh, everybody in the, the room heard was the opening of the bathroom door. Yeah. And then thankfully the service manager stopped me before anything else happened. And I was just losing it, Neil. Yeah. And, and looking back now, I had a breakdown, really. Yeah. It was just so much pressure, so much, you know, no life outside of work. Um, so was there and, quite literally a, a brick wall then? That was it? That was that was uh, over? I don't think you realise. I know you talk a lot about mental health on your on your other podcast. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a complex subject. I wouldn't even cl- no, claim to know anything about it. But looking back on it now, I was probably not the greatest person to be around. I was no. bad-tempered. I was crabby. I was... Uh, not really paying a lot of attention to anything else. I was very self-absorbed, really. And I just knew, looking back now, that I, I, I you know, I couldn't cope. Um, probably what I was being asked to do was unreasonable anyway, really. When does the pub come in, then? Because you've had so, this... <laughs> so it, I mean, it's a, bit of a, so. it's a bit of a left turn at the traffic lights, this, yeah. isn't it, really? So, so not, stage, not in a Vauxhall Cavalier, either. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So at this stage, we'd already started a photography business, but it was Sam's job, really, right. Sam's business. She, she'd, yeah. uh, for whatever reason... Doing what kind of stuff? Weddings, portraits? Yeah, yeah. all weddings. Always yeah. weddings. Okay. Always been weddings for us, really. So so obviously, I got a bit of a deal when I left the, 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 the American Corporation, and we had this pot of money mm-hmm. and we had this crazy idea i know well, let's be photographers and we'll also run a pub as well um so as i say frying pans and fire had um, you not learned about running two things at the same time at yeah that point? i know looking back at it well the pub was going to be sam's business and the photography yeah. was going to be my business right. and sam's oldest steps uh, so my stepson was a chef at the time so there was a little bit of sort of logic around it It was very much a family business really yeah but I think from day one, I knew I pretty much was going to hate it. Well, and then that really does leave you with a photography only, doesn't it? On the upside, we were getting so busy with our photography, we were never there at weekends mm. to run the pub anyway. So mm. it was getting more of an issue, really. And and, and from a pub side of things, if you run a, a, a tenanted pub, mm. it's impossible to make money. That's a topic for another day, but it's impossible to make money. But on the more positive side, we were getting that busy, really, that we just couldn't... Uh, we couldn't do the two things. So from then on, really, both Sam and I have been pretty much full-time photographers. So when you say uh, getting quite busy, what, what what do you mean? Some some people's idea of busy is 25 weddings, other people's are 50. What, what, where were you? We were we were getting to the sort of mid-30s by then. Yeah. And, and in a, a business year, I think we shot 50, getting over 50 weddings. This was after we finished the pub, yeah. And that's enough, um, really, isn't it, to, to sustain business? And that's a, a lot, business. yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's a lot, as you say. Now, I've always sort of kept my hand in with other things. I've always done a little bit of sales consultancy, a bit of sales training, um, you know, just to keep my hand in those areas, mm. really. But certainly until uh, until you know what happened this time last year, yeah. um, you know, we were both 
you know, making a living from the photography and enjoying it very much. Yeah, and you know, it's all too easy to tar folk who have a technical background um, mm. with having less of a touchy feely um, mm. side to them. How, how do you describe your approach to making pictures? Are you a technical photographer? Are you an empathic photographer? Or have you ever thought of it? That way. No, I know exactly what I am. I'm a total geek, Neil. Um, I'm, I, you know, I love the gear, as yeah. you know. I love the gadgets. Yeah, but at some stage, of course, for people to buy your photography, you have to show them more more than the fact that you you like yeah. to look inside what a camera has. <laughs> no, I'm technically competent, obviously, and, yeah. and you know, we we uh, we we, we complement ourselves together well, really, Sam and I, because Sam's very artistic. So mm-hmm. Sam draws animals and pets, for instance. Mm-hmm. She's amazing as she does that. She'll see things I'll never see, really, because she's got that artistic eye, really. So, um, you know, I'm a technically very competent photographer, as you know, um, but I would never claim to have that sort of artistic bent or that sort of eye for, for the unusual or the unexpected, which Sam has. So working together really, really works well as a partnership. Now, you had an, an initial relationship with Fujifilm cameras, which I know has changed. Mm. It's not against the law, and we, we often <laughs> say right at the start of the show, whatever flavour you shoot. So, But you still retain at least one little jewel for the moment in the X100. Is it F or V? What have, what have you got? It's a V. V. Yeah, it's yeah. a V, yeah. It's an incredible camera. Is that the last, yeah. is that the last standing for you? Uh, oh, who knows? Never say never, really. Uh, you know, we, 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 we've had a great relationship with the guys at Fujifilm and, mm. and you know, people like Andreas. Um, we, made a, we made both a commercial business decision and also a technical decision to move away to using Sony cameras for, uh, for various good reasons at the time, mm. uh, at the end of last year. But um, from a personal photography, you know, from a walk around uh, for the sheer pleasure of it, I'll always have an X100 camera. It's it's a delightful camera to use, as you know. And what's the ambition for for the the company? I mean, yeah, we, we mentioned um, pandemic, tough year for all. You went back into doing some sales training during this period. Mm. You do have bookings in for next year. What what happens next? How how will you split your time? Tell me, you're not going to go back down the trying to do too much route. Hopefully not, because that mm. is a, a definite weakness of mine that I do take on too much. But mm. um, we you know we're both sort of. We're not kids anymore, <laughs> and um, we probably don't want to be photographing forty weddings in five years' time. So, you know, our plan is this year is is crazy, mm. Twitchwood, all being well, variants allowing. Mm. Next year is pretty much booked up as well. Uh, we've got a business plan for the photography business to sort of step back a little bit from the weddings and and do a few other things. We've done a few corporate shoots now. We do a bit of videos, you know, as well. Um, and and yes, the sort of the sales training business that I've gone back into during the pandemic by delivering training over zoom has become a nice business for us and, and I th- you know i think that will always play a part now in, in what i do moving forward because i guess it's my core competence and my, my school core skill really i'm intrigued when people say that they do a bit of corporate and commercial whether this mm. has been sort of a sign of the times really i know i know mm. personally for myself i've opened myself up far more to the the realization that having all eggs squeezed into one basket is perhaps not well, it worked for a while, worked for a good while, but perhaps it's not the way of business in the future for social photography. I think that's a, that's a really good observation, Neil, really. Um, from a photography point of view, yes, weddings, you know, there's, there's lots of reasons. We, you know, we discovered what weekends were over the last couple of, couple of, yeah, that's <laughs> couple of months, which yeah. is a, a novel experience for yeah. us. So, um, and, and when we say corporate, you know, photography, I don't envisage doing, you know, photography and video for you know, huge corporations, but we're very well connected to the local business networks here in Oxfordshire. You know, we know a lot of people. I did a, a job just recently for a, a furniture uh, business. Um, and, and, you know, there's lots of little jobs like that that we that we think we can connect into uh, based around the sort of need for 
every business to have decent photography, a bit of social media video, and all those things. So that's that's very much the plan for the next two three. So years. social media really is is one of the one of the um, one of the sides of the business that you, you're promoting. Then imagery yeah, for social. Yeah, I mean, um, y- y- you and I are quite active on LinkedIn, and it's amazing how many people don't even have a basic LinkedIn image, yeah. or they've they've took a they've took a photo of themselves uh, from their wedding and cut their wife off or their mm. partner off. Um, <laughs> and when you think that uh, you know LinkedIn is really the business person's Facebook, if mm. you like. So have you been promoting through? Um, do you reach out through LinkedIn to try? At the and- moment, no. On, on LinkedIn, my profile's all about my sales training business. Yeah. So I'm very much geared towards that. But we do have a plan moving forward to start of do a bit more, uh, you know, for the for the photography and the videography. So do you think? Uh, side of things. Do you think photographers maybe miss a miss a, a trick there because we're also busy building our Instagram and Facebook profiles and and presence that we may be for, forgetting if you want to work in. A more commercial sense that is that there's a world out there on another social platform that photographers aren't aren't very well I, engaging. I think it's a really really good point because mm. I think if you're a you know you're a, a captive industry and you need some photography, you're probably not going to be surfing on Instagram for that. I would think. No. Um, and, and LinkedIn is where business people hang out fundamentally. Uh, so I think there's a there's a need for all photographers and all creatives really to have a presence on LinkedIn if they're trying to do business to business work. Mm. Well, I can't. Not mention the podcast, finally. Um, Thank you. Because you, you, you're a, pod, a fellow podcaster, and we have to support each other in this. This well, I was going to say little world, but it's not so little anymore. What what made you start podcasting? Well, you, really. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, fun, <laughs> fundamentally, yeah. I mean, we love the Fujicast, as you know. We've yeah. been here from, from, from day one and absolutely love what you guys do. And uh, and then we just had the idea that could we do something similar, Sam mm. and I, really, and and. As you know, you gave me some fantastic training on how to edit audio and how to sort of structure a podcast. And uh, I, I won't edit that bit out. That's no, bit <laughs> keep that bit in. Uh, but it's true. You know, we learned an awful lot about that. And um, you know, our podcast is the Sam and Steve podcast. Mm. It's not meant to be anything more than me and Sam really having a good chat. Sometimes you have a good old argument at the start. Well, well. she takes a mickey out of it, as you can probably gather. Uh, And what we try and do, started off being a a podcast really for wedding um, couples in the area who Mm. wanted to connect with cake makers and florists Mm. and things like that. And we still do that. But it's evolved now to be also a a place where we talk to other photographers, as you guys do. Uh, But perhaps not necessarily the the sort of big and famous photographers. It's more sort of working photographers like ourselves, really. And, And just a chance to find out about what they do how they got started, and, and we love doing it. It's an awful lot of fun. But uh, we're, we're going to go to a, uh, once every two weeks for, for the summer because, um, as, as you know, we're going to hopefully be really busy with photography. But yeah. uh, come the come the autumn, we'll go back to doing one a week. But, yeah, it, it's something we enjoy doing, and we certainly plan to carry on doing for the future. If there was one photographer that you, you um, could interview who would just say, yep, Steve, Sam, no worries at all, I'll be on, who would that be? Um, Patrick Larock. Because he's, cool, he's the coolest man on earth. Yeah, he is. And when he gave, gave a talk at uh, the X-Wedding Conference, the first good. one, I think, yeah. he yeah. was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and just and he drove across Canada from memory and did yeah. this enormous road trip. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, I already hate him for that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a talented bloke. Good-looking, cool. What's not to like? <laughs> Absolutely. No, he'd be great. Love to do that. Perhaps you could fix it up for me, Neil. <laughs> Maybe. And our thanks once more to a uh, friend of the show, Steve Vaughan. Right, back to questions. Um, Kev, I know you did the last one, but you, you, you do the first. Okay, Colin Monteith says, uh, what's the definition of fine art photography? <laughs> oh, my God. 
I've asked so many fine art photographers this, and I don't think I've ever received a definitive answer, Kev. And I've asked that on question, uh, on purpose rather, just in case this question should ever arise. Ah. Well, it's just arrived. It's just arrived. Should I tell you what Wikipedia says? Go on then. Fine art photography is photography created in line with mm. the vision of the photographer as artist, using photography as a medium for creative expression. The goal of fine art photography is to express an idea, a message, or an emotion, which, let's face it, is you've what just, all photography you've is. You've just <laughs> described photography. Yeah. That's no closer to what fine art photography is. There you go. Okay, so it does it does expand on that a little bit. This stands in contrast to representational photography, such as photojournalism, yeah. which provides a documentary visual account of specific subjects and events, literally representing objective reality, rather than the subjective intent of the photographer. And commercial photography, the primary focus of which is to advertise products or services. Okay, so that makes sense to me. So they're, they're saying, effectively, you know, commercial photography is there as a marketing tool, uh, advertising, documentary, photojournalism, is there to represent truth fine art is a way of a photographer you know making images that are you know kind of makes your mind think you know is not necessarily there for any other reason other than the result of looking at it and thinking i really like that i would like it on my wall but, but you can of course be commercial in in intent too can't you as, as you say it's something you want to you want to hang on your wall, ergo commercial, but but uh, not necessarily with any other purpose than to to cover your Laura Ashley wallpaper. But we we've talked before, Kev, about the the fine art photographer Peter Lick, who was an absolute master at the scarcity technique of of um, selling the landscapes he shoots all over the world. That that sort of pyramid of scarcity, where you make your work pricey, then as less of it is available, it's worth more and more and more and more each time. Though. Though some people have, have debated for years whether his work is fine art or, or manipulated imagery. But his, his label's definitely fine art photographer, isn't it? Well, yeah, I suppose. But it's when you, I guess what this Wikipedia article is saying is that what's the intent at the beginning? Right. So if the intent is to create something like Peter Lick does to uh, sell and for other people to put on their walls, total strangers, yeah. and they will look at it and people will come to their houses and look at it and go, oh, I really like that photograph, then that is fine art. If the objective is to, so in you know, if you to to take away from that, and what we're set, what Wikipedia is essentially saying is that there, there's no such thing as fine art wedding photography, for example, because mm -hmm. wedding photography in, in itself is inherently there for a reason, to you know make portraits of the couple, to document the day, etc. Yeah. It's not there from the outset as being a way of creating a thing. Mm -hmm that will eventually be seen as a piece of art. It's there, wedding photography, as a means of uh, recording things that happened on the day. I don't think, I think that's cleared it up in my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. I have to say, I never really thought, I, 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 yeah, if somebody had said that to me and I hadn't looked at the Wikipedia thing, then I, I wouldn't have been able to answer that. But that's, that has cleared it up for me. I so I'm looking at a beautiful wildlife shot here um, of a humpback whale. And it's just it's just the tail at the back as it slides into this misty water. Now that could be a wildlife shot. Yeah, but, but what the point is? What was the intent? Well, you mean if the intent was as a wildlife picture or for to be used as a photojournalism piece or to yeah. be used as a advert for a, a, I don't know a, a you know a zoo or something. Zoological. <laughs> How many were, ever seen a whale in a zoo? No. Um, then then that's different. Yeah, but if the you know, if if the artist, the photographer specifically, you know, 
picked that position mm. because of the light, knew that that whale was going to come and hit his flipper up and the light's going to bounce perfectly and his intent was to create something that was a one-off that he would sell as a piece of art, yeah. then that's, that's, that's when it becomes fine art. David that makes sense to me. It does. Yeah, David Yarrow made that an amazing picture of the shark um, off the coast of Cape Town uh, coming out and taking a seal like that. Um, and um, that became, for him, fine art, even, even though it's been used also for wildlife purposes. So sometimes there is a, a crossing of the bow. He, he made it because he wanted to get this superb wildlife shot, but it ended up being a superb fine art shot. Yeah, so by definition, it's not really fine art. Then, if mm. you're, if we're taking the definition of it, because it, that's not what the intent was. Right. Um, yeah. So there you go. Right. We'll clean that up. <laughs> Another problem sorted. Arav <laughs> Panash, hi Kev, hi Neil, long time listener, never written. So here's a first. Go gentle. I'm a Nikon user. Oh, it'd be Nikon actually, because uh, you're uh, across the pond from us. Uh, user right now uh, have been for my whole career and came about the show from somebody who works in the national camera exchange in minneapolis he's been tempting me to cross to the dark side as my nikon d850s are showing signs of solid wear i don't need all the new toys uh, but i do want to feel that i'm spending money wisely help me here so help me obi-wan um with a camera and uh, with, a, with a camera suggestion and uh, some lenses so that i can I can get started with a Fuji system. I'm, I'm sort of uh, paraphrasing a little bit there. But um, so if he doesn't want all the new toys, an, an X-T3 might be the uh, the best place to start. I'm not going to suggest an X-Pro because, of course, you're coming from a, a DSLR mm. modelled, um, you know, in, in the fashion, uh, I suppose, an X-T would, would be the best one to suggest. If you can, if you can stretch the X-T4, marvellous. But if you don't want all the toys, X-T3 will do you, do you fine. You can choose some lenses. Yeah, I would say that. Um, maybe go for uh, sixteen fifty-five zoom and and one prime, perhaps the eighty or ninety. If you if you you know feel like you do portraiture or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that would that would be that would be a good intro. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, a very good intro. That's quite a you know good set of gear. That. Yeah, you're good to go and keep the boxes, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no don't comment. start! Don't start! I noticed, by the way, we let that seagull comment go through. Do you remember uh, Bryce Leary? I just just saw it, but I put a ring around it when I just to m make sure that I mention it with you. Do you remember he there said there is uh, no such thing as seagulls now, as cheap as the things you would throw to seagulls on a beach. Oh, see, but even the BBC made the mistake. I watched uh, something on the BBC the other day, and they referenced seagulls. They mm -hmm. don't exist, do they, Kev? No, do not exist. You Seagulls do not exist. A herring gull, a black-headed gull. Uh, mm. How many other gulls do we know? Not many. No. Grey gull. Is it grey gull? I know a couple of gulls from Aberystwyth. <laughs> God. Oh. Right, book of the week. What have we got? All right, so we talked about um, in the past some of these. Um, they're called the Photography Workshop Series by Aperture. Yeah. Aperture Foundation, and they're really cool. They're 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 kind of like a crossover between a textbook and um, a kind of photo book. So it's essentially um, you know a particular photographer covering a genre, right. and with lots of his pictures or her pictures, and uh, kind of explaining why it's taken, how it's taken, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So this one is Todd Heido, um, and this one's called On Landscapes, Interiors, and the Nude, which Todd, I thought was Todd quite Heido interesting. On, on landscape photographers and the news. 
And then yeah. Next. So uh, in this case, the the little blurb says uh, Todd Heidel explores the genre of landscape interior and nude photography with an emphasis on creating images from a personal perspective and with a sense of intimacy. Through words and photographs, he reveals insight into his own practice and discusses a wide range of creative issues, including mining one's own memory and experience as inspiration. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's these are really nice books. I think I've got the full set now. I think there's three or four of them in the set. And uh, as good as they are in terms of the, the images, the content, the textual content is good as well. Um, so I'm just, for example, I'm going to flip very randomly to page 107. And it's a uh, it's a picture of kind of a uh, little bit of roadworks and the end there's the sign saying it's the end of the roadworks. Um, and like he will explain to get he will he's explaining on the page across and again, I'm paraphrasing um, about how this kind of fits in a, an overall story. And, uh, you know, he's in this particular case, he's explaining why um, uh, the difference between photography and a movie. Um, It says a movie doesn't simply describe things and not further its plot action unfolds in a movie and the still quality of a photograph makes it suitable for the kind of build-up to an event that isn't depicted now the nude stuff although it's it does say nudes then it's not really graphical nudes it's it's i would call it fine art (laughs) and so I'm, i'm picking on page 103 this one's titled distant intimacy and it's a girl isn't it always girls generally nudes horrible world um anyway it's um she's not nude but she's she's you know not wearing much but he does go on to explain that you know this is about stance and prominence and uh the tenseness and the uncomfortable nature of the of the girl in the picture so you know there's a whole lot of descriptions of it going on flip into page 88 there's a couple of film shots taken here that one would normally look at these and think well the exposure's gone wrong the focus isn't right and, you know, the, it just doesn't make sense. But the point of that little part of the book is that, um, you know, the, the question is what's true, what what is true, what makes us define what is real, what is not re- real, what's good, what's bad. So it, it, there's a whole load of good stuff in here. And it talks about narrative a lot and the narrative of a photograph. As always, quite hard to describe these books without people seeing the images. But the the pictures are printed well. The pages are, uh, you know, it's a vertical book, but it's the, the images are not, you know, cropped unnecessarily. So, they, you know, I have smaller horizontal ones and big vertical ones. Concepts and contradictions. There are no rules, but sometimes you need parameters. There you go. And the pictures are beautiful, like really beautiful. There's not one picture that you you you, you kind of look at this and think, oh, that's, that's a, you know, they're all bangers. Um, and they are all fine art, I think. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking through some here, thinking this is fine art. Yeah, this is the, this mm-hmm. is the definition of it from what we were talking about a moment ago. I've got two questions for you, actually. Well, number one, are you squeamish about nude photography? Because at the, at the start, it's, it's always always women. I don't think that's absolutely true. I think predominantly there's more of it. Yes, but but it's 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 not all. But what what are your what are your feelings about it? Um. Yeah, you're right. It's not all women, but mostly it is. And this kind of stuff, I, I have no problem with whatsoever because yeah. it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's an exploration of feelings, emotions, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. What I do have problems with is the, you know, is, is the sexual nature of, you know, the, the, the crossover. what I say, but, you know, the, the long lens brigade and, the, uh, you know, the workshops and everything that, that you know, 
it's not about the workshops, is it? Let's face it, it's about getting yourself some that, smutty pictures. That, that feels grubby to me, yes. Yeah, that, that yeah, I grubby. hate all of that. But, you know, the fact is, for, for you only have to look. There's, there's, I'm, centuries, in, I'm a member of several Facebook groups for portrait photography and fine art photography, funny enough. Right. Um, and the ones where it's a beautiful, beautiful picture of a, a girl, whether nude or not is irrelevant always always gets the um, majority of the likes and the comments not and i'm not saying they're, they're negative comments but you know always gets it and so you know that there's more of those um and yeah i think i think generally you know when people think of nude photography they probably think of kind of those types of you know women and the, the smutty nature of kind of that workshop mentality i think um, it's, still a very a it's still a bona fide uh, art form. Of course it is, yeah. Oh, look at the Yerbries. I mean, the Yerbries yeah. have made, and they've made proper fine art yeah. out of nude photography. Um, and his, his father did it, his grandfather did it. I think even his grandfather, great-grandfather did it. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely, it can be. It's like saying, you know, when somebody graffitis on a wall and then... <laughs> Saved by the bell, Kev. <laughs> That's my nude model. Hang on. <laughs> Play some elevator music, please. While Kev goes to investigate, a quick word to say thank you to our wonderful patrons. And remember, using the app, send your questions into the show so we can bump you to the front. Also this week, across on uh, my other podcast, Photography Daily, we're taking a trip to Tibet with former guest Marissa Roth on Wednesday, where, funnily enough, we talk about fine art. We talk about her book, Infinite Light, a photographic meditation on Tibet, which wasn't necessarily in the planning until she'd arrived. Sometimes, it seems, you just have to let your photographic inquisitive nature lead you. I was almost in this heightened state of awareness and sensitivity, and I was just sort of feeling Tibet rather than seeing it. So... I just kind of let go and of the idea of what to photograph and just kind of just started photographing. And on Friday, it's our own kind of photographic meditation as we walk together through the countryside discussing your photography and what you've been working on to inspire others in the only real podcast photo walk of its style in the podcast sphere, the Friday Photo Walk. That's Photography Daily, wherever you get your podcast. We'll link to it in the show notes today as well. And of course, because Kev is always too shy to say, his presets are still available. Essential Film 2021, over 40 carefully crafted profile-based Lightroom presets, including colour film simulations, monochrome simulations, utilities and bonus Legends of Film simulations. Ah, here we are, top floor Kev. Who was it? Was it Amazon bearing gifts, Kev? Was it Amazon? Uh, Another no, delivery. It was more, Postman. More books. Oh, not Postman Matt. <laughs> it wasn't Postman Matt, actually. Oh. It was Postman Harry. Oh. But he, um, bless him, he, he was like, were you, you, you expecting an Amazon parcel today? I was like, no, not. He said, oh, right. He said, well, there's one up by the co-op, funny enough. Um, then the alleyway, it says Mullins, units one and two. Is it? Well, they're um, just leaving your packages anywhere now. Well, no, but it was delivered by DPD because Amazon oh. send DPD stuff sometimes. So oh, okay. I'm like, well, I'm not expecting anything, but he said uh, he'll he'll pick it up for me. He said and he'll bring it down later. Well, we <laughs> we we, we swer- good old Royal Mail. We swerved the nude question quite well. So let me ask you my other question: What made you choose this book? What makes you choose your books, Kev? What what is it that when you're choosing books, not just for this review, obviously, but stuff you like to collect? What's What's the criteria? Well, I have to be totally honest with you. Because I was coming to the studio today, I picked a, a small book that I carry. 
Oh, right. <laughs> Normally when I'm driving to you, I'm happy to bring my big books. But yeah, so that, that was the reason this morning. I, I'm actually running out now. Are you? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of looking through the collection and thinking, oh, hang on, I'm fairly, I, I haven't really made a note of what we've done and what we haven't done, which is stupid. It doesn't matter if you revisit some, Kev. You always find yeah, a diff- different thing in a, in a book when you look at it a second time around. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Who knows? But yes, yeah. the, well, the reason why I picked this one, though, specifically was because I had been looking through it a couple of days ago. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a little paperback, so I can bring it with me. So the book is called? The book is called On Landscapes, Interiors and the Nude. It's a photography workshop series by Aperture, Todd Heidel. There's a really interesting, uh, have I still got it here? Yes, I have on medium.com. Do you do you read medium, by the way? No. Medium. I oh. read I read fat. You read what? Fat. <laughs> fat. Yeah. Right. Large. Okay. All right. I get it now. Medium. <laughs> well, I read medium. Um, there's a there's a really good piece by Larissa Archer uh, who says I modelled for Todd Hedo, or um, hmm. and 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 it talks about her experience of making one of the pictures for this book. Oh, good. Well, um, I hope it was a positive experience. It's a really interesting experience. Look it up. It's on Medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, look for the piece called I Modelled for, for Todd Hedo, and uh, it's by Larissa Archer. It's well, a, we'll link to that in the show notes. nine-minute read, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting read, um, and it goes mm-hmm. hand-in-hand, so to speak. Nine, how do they know it's a nine-minute read? Well, I suppose you count the amount of words, and you um, divide it by the... The, the sort of average reading time. I can't remember what the average reading time is, but that's how these these things are always worked out. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, questions. You going, Kev? You got? Have you got a full Facebook group of of questions there? Uh, hang on a sec. I've got. Um, yeah, I've got a handful now. Good. The, the new the new group the new um, thread has has helped. Good. Um, and I reckon it's probably a eighteen minute read. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Clever clogs. Go on. Um, all right, I will go for um, Andy Parslow. Uh, yes. He says, hi, chaps. On my uh, old, much-used and loved X100T, the interlock in AE and spot meter worked in AF and MF mode. I used to use it a lot. Uh, manual focus and found it very helpful, very yeah. useful. Yeah. Now, I've upgraded my kit, and I have a V and an X-Pro3, and that function now only seems to work when in autofocus mode right. now in manual focus it only spot meters from the center point do you know why that would be thanks andy yeah so the answer here is there's a setting in the cameras in the more recent cameras that says interlock spot meter in to focus point in manual focus mode you need to switch that on that is it that is it right. yeah that was four easy. minute read question 30 second read answer <laughs> brandon luck Hello, gents from Ontario. That's Canada. a cool name, isn't it? It is luck. luck. L- uh, L- Imagine L- having luck with you all the time. Well, That's L- great. I it's like an that. L-U-K version. But it all counts. Yep. Um, been loving the podcast since discovering them earlier this year. I had a question that perhaps uh, one of you could answer. It's usually Kev, isn't it? Is there a difference between the black and white simulation and the Acros simulation built into the Fuji cameras? I can't seem to tell the difference between them. If there isn't any, why offer both? Yeah, there is. There's quite a bit of difference, actually. Um, I, I'm not sure why you can't see the difference, but the, the best way to check the difference is to set your camera up in film simulation bracketing mode. Take one picture with three different film sims, stick your Acros on there and your black and white monochrome, uh, and then, you know, one of the others. So, yeah, the Acros, well, the, the nature of the Acros film simulation has grain baked into it for a yeah. start. So it's a more grainy filmic look. 
the the monochrome the original monochrome film simulation i feel has a little bit more contrast it's a much more digital look to it i think so yeah there is there is there is differences and they're, they're not too subtle either i don't think so you know try try doing film simulation mode uh, bracketing and see what you mm. what you see all right um facebook oh kev we're going through these now they these are 30 second reads <laughs> uh oh okay <laughs> sorry i was uh i was trying to think what that parcel is um <laughs> Well, open it, Kev. Do an unboxing. <laughs> it's not. It's not here. It's up the. It's up the. Oh, anyway, by the, the co-op. Yeah. That's why. Have you left it why. there? No, no, no. That, well, Harry the Postman. It wasn't his. He's not delivering the Amazon stuff. Know, he said it's DPD. All oh, oh, right. So he said, but he saw it in the alleyway by by a door, and but nobody's brought he said, it to you. He's going back up there, so he's going to go and get it and bring it down to me. Oh. Which you know, that's that's. Harry's, That's the Harry, lovely postman we have in Malmesbury. It's, not just, even, it's yeah. a DPD delivery. Harry's become part of your staff, Kev. <laughs> um, right. Will it this arrive the by the from... end of the show? Will it arrive by the end of the show? That's the thing. Then we can find out what it is. Yeah, mm. I'm not expecting anything, I have to say. Although, I did get I did get this week some amazing prints from um, Digital Lab. They, they took some of my GFX. I did some pixel what they call it pixel shifting stuff with the gfx 100 yeah. you know that picture i took of all my x 100 stacked on top oh of each yeah other? yes i do yeah yeah and which was about 500 megapixels in the end yeah. they printed it out and they sent me some of the um some of these prints some of my friends oh. the, the, the men of malmesbury that i did i got a picture of nick about six foot wide uh, <laughs> <laughs> brilliant so that was a good delivery that was very kind of them and they look absolutely insane definitely yeah, brilliant print. um right jan jan Shruznyak, t-r-s-t-e-n-j-a-k uh says he says this is a very important question mm. and he wants to ask it for a while mm-hmm. <laughs> and the question is does kev dance <laughs> no that's not the question surely it, it is <laughs> it says just because he seems a bit too macho for that and i wonder um, too macho <laughs> um, so well, it by the way what you since called... he likes country music there's yeah. a ton of awesome new stuff on two youtube channels called gems on vhs and oh, western af okay. um <laughs> send him beer he says send him beer for thanks yeah. okay well um that i'm literally popping those two channels into my youtube now um so i will look at those um <laughs> dancing. as for dancing you don't have to be mat- macho um you don't have to be non-macho rather to dance i mean there's various forms of dance i suppose you could say rightly that the hacker is a form of a dance i mean i know it's a, i know it's a ceremonial yeah. display but there's a there's an element of dance and a movement within it that could be attributed to dance and i tell you what i wouldn't argue with any one of those lads <laughs> no quite uh no i i would not say i was particularly good at dancing have you never I'm, I'm very good at tapping my feet do you, move, do you move with the music and the rhythm as you go around the, the dance floor when you're photographing those in, that are dancing? Yeah, I do. I uh, Yeah, oh, I do I find myself. Do, if it's nice stuff, yeah. if it's any of this modern jumpy, jumpy I can't hear stuff, the words. And I don't, yeah, <laughs> too loud for me. I, sub, I take um, some earplugs sometimes. Do you? Yeah. I do wear earplugs during those during those moments so that my tinnitus doesn't suffer from those. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah. I, I appreciate you know the good music and stuff yeah. and at some some weddings you do come away buzzing after listening to the music especially if it's a live band yes they're yeah. good yeah um yeah for sure but uh yeah typically dancing and uh, you'd have to ask Gemma, but uh she would definitely say no so Gemma didn't fall for you for your, for your amazing dance routines so. i don't think no. so okay no. Paul Sillard. Hi, Kev. Hi, Neil. You are the best podcast on the World Wide Web. Well, that's very kind of you. Flatter, flattered we are. You are regular passengers in my car. Oh, are we? 
when I travel back and forth looking after my 95-year young widower dad. Here's a picture of him taken on my X-T4 and a 16-55 to lens. Oh, do you know, I love that. It, look, it looks actually like a still from a, from a marmalade advert, Paul. <laughs> it does. Uh, is it marmalade? No, uh, apricot jam. That's what he's eating. Oh, lovely. Very mm-hmm. nice. I, I'll, uh, I'll remember to send you that picture, Kev, so you can put it on the, uh, on the show notes. Yeah. But to matters at hand, I beg Kev to leverage his considerable influence with Fujifilm to get them to change all their firmware so that formatting the SD cards also puts in a label of the camera model instead of the unnamed. For crying out loud, please make the label like X-T4 or whatever. It's such a trivial change, and I've been asking this for years, including via Fujifilm Australia, but to no avail. So now I've turned to you. Yours humbly, Paul Sillard. Uh, I'm not sure I understand. So when you format, when you do a firmware update and you format the camera and all that kind of stuff, you yep. format the memory card, I should say. Yep. Um, unnamed. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's on about the folder name. I think so. Or the file name. The folder name, isn't it? You can, yeah. But you you just set that. That's in the in the camera settings. Um, Does he mean that when he formats it, it's, he wants it to automatically say it's an XT4 as the the formatted new name? I don't know. I don't. I never. Honestly, I never even think about the folders you that not- come off the memory card ever. I just dump them all into one big folder. Mm. So. I don't know. And and really, the, so, I mean, I suppose the crux of this is presumably using the same memory card in different cameras and trying to separate out the thing. But, I, I, I mean, really, you shouldn't do that, but you can. I would, I just set my, my file names. I do it all in the file name. So I go into the camera settings. I set the file name to, uh, you know, for example, X-Pros. I've got two, well, let's, let's just say it was the X-Pro2 because I've got three of them. So I uh, do XPT1, XPT2, XPT3. And that just stays there. That file name just stays then. Yeah, even when I format and stuff. So... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I, I'm probably misunderstanding that question. Um, maybe if you're on the Facebook group, go on there and yeah. uh, you know expand a little bit. In Don't terms- forget to tell me how long it will take me to read the question. <laughs> In terms of um, <laughs> of formatting cards, if you've got a wallet load of cards, Kev, and two camera bodies, both let's say for, for me, both XH1s, mm-hmm. I, I never bother formatting them for the particular camera. I always assume, well, you, you kind of you talk the same language. You're both on the same team. So as long as I've formatted all my cards in one of the XH1s, I don't bother. I'm assuming that I could just put my cards that have been formatted in mod in body A into body B, and it will make no difference at all. Yes, true. As long as they're both the same sensor. So if they're both X-Trans 4, fine. If they're both X-Trans 3, fine. If they're both X-Trans 2, fine. If, if you've got an X-Trans 3 and an X-Trans 4, uh, it will almost like 99.9% be fine. But I would recommend you keep your uh, your sensor cameras using the same memory cards. Yeah. Sensor, it's all to do with sensor type. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm sure there shouldn't be too many problems, if any. But uh, my, my kind of spidey sense says, you know, that's <laughs> there's different gubbins going on in that chicory pokery. So make sure you use the same memory card. The gremlins are cycling differently. Yeah. Do we have time for one more? I think we possibly do, Kev. Go on. One more, one more question from the Kevster. Okay. Daniel Kiss says, uh, for a pancake lens, would you personally get the XF18 F2? Or the 27mm, um, which I think is 2.4. There you go. Um, and they're both very small. 18. Well, now here's the thing. Yeah, I like the 18 F2 as well, and it's been very good for me. But because the 18, um, the other 18mm is coming out very soon, I think the end of the month. So I would, and that isn't pancake really, it's a bit bigger. And it's quite a bit big, bigger. 
Yeah. Say that really fast. See if you can do it. Quite a big, quite a big bit. Uh, quite now you've got me going on it now. Quite a big bit, bit bigger. I bet <laughs> you, bit, I bet you, right now there will be out of those that have downloaded this show at least at least half of you have tried to do that. Then, <laughs> yeah, quite a bit, bit bigger. Yeah. Um, oh, good, Kev. Yeah. So, uh, twenty-seven. Uh, the, the twenty-seven mil is is nice. Um, I think probably whether the the F two version of the eighteen mil stays around, mm. then yeah, go for it. Um, but I, six one half doesn't the other really. It comes down to focal length, doesn't it? You know. Mm. There we go. What did you do that in then, Kev? Was that was that a one minute read? Yeah, that was one minute thirty four seconds. Was it? Has your package not arrived yet? That's the re- no. reason I was doing another question. I thought there's a chance his packet's going to arrive and it'll have something in it he's very embarrassed about. <laughs> but it, but it's not arrived. Yeah, come on, Harry. Come on, Harry. He's probably doing his normal round first before thinking about me and my DPD package. He's, he's forgotten about the box the moment he walked out of your door. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thank you to our guest, Steve Vaughan, our friend of the show. And, of course, if you'd like to be a friend of the show and tell us your story, it's good if, you, if you've got a story about something that you've done with your photography, that's what we want to hear about. Send it to click at fujicast.co.uk. Uh, if you can share the episode on Twitter or on Facebook, you're a star. Let us know where you're showing because we like to give those platforms a shout out too. See you in the Facebook group. And of course, Kev, you can leave your questions uh, in uh, part two, I suppose, of the uh, of the Ask the Show posting, can't you? Yep, yep, absolutely. Pop them in there. We'll get range of them. The ones I've answered, I put a little emoji of me in various <laughs> formats. Okay. Thank you to those that are supporting the show by Patreon. If you can do it, fantastic for those who feel it's appropriate. Of course, music is from Blue Wednesday with supporting music from the incredible artlist.io. If you'd like to see our offerings to the photographic community, visit fujicast.co.uk in the show page today. See you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. The Fujicast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.